Podcast One. Jeez, a fortnight goes quick. Very quick. But not quick enough for a lot of people. They want weekly episodes, Dylan Orcock. I reckon we'll get to weekly one day. I think we will. But uh, we're really enjoying what we're doing at the moment and to be able to provide not only information about what it's like for people, but also mm-hmm. keep people updated in what's going on in the world. We're, we're enjoying what we're doing. We are. And uh, to the people who keep asking um, about the YouTube videos, I am a little bit behind with the edits. I am trying. Captioning is a beast. Can I say he's working his absolute backside off? Like these videos are gnarly. People don't understand when you watch too many video. Like, ours are an hour long, yeah. some of the edits. So, it takes uh, a long time, but can does. I tell you something funny? Um, so uh, there is an auto-generated captions, right, which helps. And then I go in and edit the auto-generate. They would stuff it up. It has no idea what you're saying. Me? Everyone else is fine. Every <laughs> every guest and me, fine. You, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like literally HQ where ST46. I want to ask you a question. Well, I'm going to relay a question that we've had on email, uh, which is, of course, where you can submit questions if you want um, for Bowl of Uncomfortable, but also... Uh, Get your submission in to yeah, people you want. Exactly. But this is a question from a listener uh, who I think raises a great point. Uh, I'd love to hear discussed in a podcast Dylan's opinion, and possibly Angus's, I'll stay out of it, about asking someone about their disability. I've heard Dylan mention a number of times that asking questions will create a better understanding. However, I believe there should be some context around this as time and time again, people walk up to me and their first question is always, what's wrong with your arm? Yes, I have a disability. Yes, it's physical and therefore visible. However, unless I know someone, the concept of invading someone's personal space and expecting them to tell me their issues just seems plain rude. Great question. Obviously, I haven't seen me talk too much because I have talked about this in some other areas. It's as long as you do it with the right tact of course. and in the right moment. The example of what I say is, right, you can ask your best mate, have you had sex before? This isn't like an anybody person, but you're not going to go up to someone in a bar and go, oh, g'day, what's your name? You had sex before? Wrong yeah, time, right? of course. As long as you build up a trust with that person and they trust you back and you build up a relationship with that person, then you can ask if it makes the relationship between you two better mm-hmm. and more comfortable for everybody. Of course, you can ask about the disability. But in saying that, not everybody wants to be asked about the disability. Everyone's stories that we've for told sure. don't necessarily reflect your own. Just because we've had someone with CP on doesn't mean that's your CP story. Yeah. We understand that and it's personal preference. I think, Dylan, you're just about owning your disability, so therefore, you know, being more comfortable with it, right? But I also get annoyed when people come up to me in a bar and say, hey, Dill, what happened to you? Or does your penis work? The yep. question I get asked the most. But in saying that, what, the, the one thing I say about with the disability and asking questions, you are allowed to go up to someone and say, g'day, mate, are you okay? Mm. Like with that door? Yep. G'day, mate, do you need a hand carrying that? Of course. Like most people get worried they can't ask those things because we will get upset. But if I'm trying to carry four beers in a pub, and someone comes up and says, do you need a hand? Of course, you're going to say yes. Uh, yeah. You can't I carry two when... coffees. I've seen uh, proof of it every Thank morning very on, much. on the weekend breakfast. So this is what we're trying to say. Like, if you want to get a better understanding, you are allowed to ask questions, but you have to do it in the right tact and make mm-hmm. sure you've built a relationship first. Ask them about their name. You might have to ask them about their disability on the sixth time they've hung out with them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the first question you ask, but down the track, if it makes people easier. And can I add to this? Of course. If you are doing a job interview, if you interview someone with a disability and it goes for half an hour, and the last question you need to ask, you might need to ask them, what do we need to do with your disability to help you work here? That's a comfortable question to mm-hmm. ask. Do not not ask that question and then do not hire them. So what people do is go, I didn't ask them about the disability, so I didn't hire them. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? If it, if it depended on them getting a job or developing a relationship or whatever it is, do it because it, I promise you the dis- person with disability will respect and appreciate that you have. Uh, a big thank you to Kate who sent through that email. Can I also say, ask you where I could sit with this? And of course, it, it's the same rule. This doesn't fit for everybody, but I'm so proud of our podcast, right? And I, I was having lunch with my uh, mum and my girlfriend uh, in Aries Inlet in Victoria. And there was a guy sitting across from us who had, I would say, CP, yep. using crutches for assistance, needed his partner to help him. He had, a, he had a young child. And I wanted to tell him about our podcast. You should have. I know, but that, I didn't know. I, I didn't feel comfortable enough to do it. I wanted to kind of let him know that I was an ally and that, like, you know, I, we had this cool thing that we were doing. Yeah, promote it. And uh, the best way for, I mean, we like to think, and hopefully it is, this podcast is helping a lot of people, but the way it is getting in other people's ears is word of mouth and, and sharing it around and networking. So please share it with your networks. You know, if you think it's a good thing, um, get it out there. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people doing some really good stuff in the disability space, uh, especially you know, our next two guests who, who are coming on the show. And when it comes to the bowl of uncomfortable, this one probably takes the cake. 
Yeah, you yeah. felt really uncomfortable asking this question, but you couldn't not do this podcast without getting something off your chest. And normally they're from people that have sent them in, but I said, look, this is for me as well as someone with a disability. But i got to say, these two ladies have done a lot for their community, mm-hmm. but especially I think they're going to be really great allies for a lot of parents out there who, who listen to this podcast and we're really excited to have them here. There's a lot of laughs, but there will also be some tears. Let's find out the next guests of Listen Able. Hello, I'm Kate, and this is... Hello, I'm Mandy. And we're from Two P's in a podcast. T-double-O. <laughs> because it confuses people. It does. But what a lovely introduction. Thank, Thank you. you. No, thanks so much for being here. I mean, obviously, you guys are playing in a similar space that we are. You're doing yeah. amazing work with your podcast. Looking at you both, you, do you guys have disabilities? No. no. Okay, so what's your relationship to the disabled world? Uh, well, my husband has a severe hearing loss, uh, and then I gave birth to my twins at 31 weeks, so they were nine weeks premature, and they both have a hemiplegia, cerebral palsy, one right-sided, one left-sided, and my daughter with the right-sided her- hemiplegia also has an intellectual disability. Okay, are they identical twins? No, fraternal. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yourself, Kate? And so I have identical twin boys. They also were born prematurely. Um, we just say they're not neurotypical because there are things that they own and things that they're waiting to tell people. So that's their story, which is why Mandy and I are in a delicate space with our podcast, because we don't want to share someone else's story. So we share how we see the world as parents of children with additional needs and disabilities, and I suppose how that impacts our lives and how we see their lives impacted, but we try not to actually tell their story, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. I actually love the way that you guys describe your podcast. You say, listen to Mandy and Kate laugh a lot and cry as they chat to each other and friends about parenting multiples with disabilities and additional needs. Mm. So you're telling your side of the story. Yes, and we also thought... Uh, in the multiple birth world, mm. as parents, uh, it's it's an active group. Mm. Um, but within that, there's families that have children with disabilities that are not really spoken about. And that's a unique sort of way to parent within a multiple birth, if that's twins or triplets. So we just thought it's time for a revolution and we want our stories out there. Do you guys know each other prior to having kids with no. both intellectual or, or disabilities? No, we did not. So right. we met through the Multiple Birth Association. Gotcha. Yep. We went out for dinner. We did. Yep. That was a successful dinner. It was yeah, a really successful was. dinner. <laughs> One of my favourite <laughs> questions asking people who had kids with disabilities, what did you know about disability before you had a disabled child? And I know from my mum and dad, they were like, absolutely nothing. Didn't know anyone. Wasn't in the media. There's no manual. Mandy, you have a partner with yes. a disability. Was that yes. your first experience having a disability? Yes. I mean, I met him and he had lost his hearing when he was 19. So I met him. He has hearing aids. And I'd worked with children. I'd worked in early parenting centres and childcare. So I had worked with children with disabilities. Uh, so I think I thought, well, maybe if there's going to be something that's possibly genetic, it might be a hearing loss if, mm. if and when we have children. So um, that was something I'd thought about. But apart from that, no. And Kate, you... Didn't have a leg up by having a partner with a disability, <laughs> I, I guess. So what about you? Did you know much well, about the disabled world? I did because when I went to uni, I actually did a double degree in intellectual disabilities and nursing. What are the bloody chances? I know. What are the chances? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Dylan asked a really great question about, you know, there being no handbook no. to having a kid with a disability. And you can never really prepare yourself, I imagine. But was there, I mean, how old are your children? They're 14. Nearly 15. Right. So going back 15 years, Mm -hmm. you probably didn't have these educational sources that we have today. Can you tell us? We were probably thrown into having them prematurely. So you're bang, you're in NICU, which Mm. is neonatal intensive care. You're um, surrounded by lots of babies that are in, that are unwell. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was the start of it, I suppose. And then wondering if things were going to unfold or not. So when you have babies that are tiny, it's, it's scary. Yeah. You, can you talk about the contrast between 15, 14 years ago compared to where we're at now in 2020 and what kind of resources and research you've seen that have kind of giving parents giving birth now, maybe with kids with disabilities, a leg up? Well, now there is much more of a voice. And I don't know if you've had Melanie Dimmitt on. So no. she's amazing. She's written a book called Special and she has a child um, who I think he's three. Yep. And he has cerebral palsy. She's amazing. She's an author and she has written this amazing book and it's just all chapters from people who have children with disabilities and she goes through the whole journey of diagnosis and then 
at the end, you just really love your life, right? So it's a really good read because mm. when you go to the hospital and they give you stuff, it's just negative sheets. It's worst case scenario. Mm. And so we do love our health professionals, but sometimes they um, they don't realize that they're talking about a person yeah, when, when it's a baby. Yeah, know it We call them rectums. Rectums. <laughs> and, and, <but laughs> we didn't call them that, our okay, listeners. It's because oh, of, it's, sure. it, it's the difference when they're the medical classification of disability and the social model. Yeah. They look at the model, uh, the medical side of it and they yes. talk to us, us being me, you for your kids, mm. yeah. as pieces of medical yep. yes. meat. Yeah. Like yes. what's going on yeah. as opposed to, and it's a tough gig. Oh, but absolutely. But there's more emotion in it because this, we're, we're people. That's you know right. I mean? mm. And did you feel the same way when, when you were, you know, thrown into the world? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think... One of the benefits that happens if you have a child with a disability or additional needs is you become quite fierce and you go, actually, you're not seeing my child again. I don't want to see you. And you hunt through and now there's Google and there's support groups yeah, and there's have that back all of that. Yeah. We was just starting. Like we yeah. had our kids before Facebook. Yeah. So, um, you know, now you can. It was harder to find our people. It was really hard. Yeah. My parents go back 30 years. Yeah. Mm. So 15 years before. Yes. Yeah. 1990. And yes. I mean, the stories, they had no idea. Yes. Like, no. Luckily, my dad's dad, my grandpa was a doctor, but yeah. a GP. Yeah. yeah. And he flew down from Sydney and he's like, oh, he's got this big tumour on his back. And like, my grandpa's got no idea how to handle yeah. tumours. No. Yeah. But he had to pretend like he did because yeah. my dad, mum and dad were, were well, a mess. trusted him. And, and yeah. you know, the crazy part about it is I'm now 29, almost 30. My parents were like 25 and they had yeah. two kids. I know. Second one was disabled. Yes. I, I can't even like get <laughs> dressed and get to a meeting. Can't on, I can't get to a meeting on time. <laughs> Imagine having a 25 years, second one might die. Like I was I like, know. You know, and w- was it the Isn't first lot of kids for you guys that had disabilities? For me it was, but for Kate. So I had three other children and then we had these um, miracle twins. <laughs> so That workload. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So they were my fourth and fifth. So Kate we, had a difficult pregnancy and so she was thrilled that they were born alive. Yeah, so okay. we knew that there was going to be issues and we were really lucky to have live babies. So I think the gift that that gave me was every time that my children did something, I was like, yes, they've done it. Like instead of, oh, they're a bit behind. You know, I was mm. just, yeah. and I think that's just should be how parenting is. We won't, on our podcast, we have a saying that Mandy coined, FU Milestones. Because we're so obsessed as parents and as the whole world really, and no offence to you, you superstar, but who came <laughs> first? Who did it first? Who won that medal? Who, what, when, what age did your child sit up? What age did your child crawl? Mm. There's no question of, mate, did you see how cute that baby was and it laughed for hours and the grandparents love it and we're just drawn to their personality. Mm. That's not what people talk about. They talk about how quick their kid walked or when they spoke and... Actually, none of that matters. Mm. When you have a baby, you get a little book from the infant welfare nurse and the council and it says when you go, they tick. Are they rolling? Tick. Are they sitting? Tick. So, and I get, we do need them, Mm. right? Because we do, the earlier we do early intervention, you can have a whole better life. So 100% we need them. But the way we approach it and how we speak is really powerful. I want to know that feeling when you first give birth and you get told or you understand for the first time that your child has mm. a disability. What, what was that like? What's that with you, man? Well, it was technically around eight months or they were 10 months and so eight months corrected um, that I noticed that one of my twins wasn't, well, it, it unfolded over some time that she wasn't doing the things that her twin was doing. And so I knew something was going on. Um, so that I had to go to the maternal and child health nurse and she said, yes, there's something that we're going to need to find out. You need to go to your paediatrician. And when, then we had to have MRI scans on her brain. And then when we saw the paediatrician, he said, yes, there is, she has a brain injury. Um, I was very, very sad. Mm. Yeah, because I just felt heartbroken that, um, sh- that life could be tricky for her. Did you feel blame on yourself? Yes, because when you have a premature baby or babies and your body can't carry those babies to term, that's a very painful thing to come to terms with. How long did that take you to come to terms oh, well, with? Well, still. But what do you, you harbour? What are those emotions that you still feel? Um, well, I suppose if I see her in pain or, or when she's saying, I wish I was normal mm. or yeah, I, wish, I, I wish my hand worked, I wish I didn't have to wear an AFO, I wish I didn't have to go to a special school, why can't I go to the same school as my sister? 
That's I hate AFOs. <laughs> oh, we are the AFO family. There's uh, splints to go on your legs to straighten your feet. We've talked about this. Yeah. Year. And I heard you talk about it the so other day. Shit. <laughs> I had one right AFO and one child with a left AFO. Yeah, I had a tendon transplant mm, to yes, straighten my feet so I didn't have to yep. wear AFOs anymore. Uh, yeah, well, you couldn't same. put your cool shoes over. Yes, you need to go and talk. <laughs> you digress and disabled to chat. <laughs> yeah. But I, I suppose I, I plunged into the deepest sadness I've ever had in my life. Mm. Um, what about for you, Kate, as well? I mean, obviously, this was your, you've got three children apart fifth, from the fourth and fifth. So fourth, fourth and fifth, fifth. yeah. So, as a mother, you already had an ingrained knowledge of how to be a mum. Yes. What was this difference like when you found out? So, we always knew that there would be some sort of mild global delay. I held them for the first time and I knew that. And I just thought, oh, I think I love you more. Like, <laughs> I didn't have that. So, for me, it's been um, a very different journey to Mandy's. Where every time we get a diagnosis and, you know, they just add another one in and they're like, while you're here, would you like this one? And here's another one, you know. Mm. Um, I feel um, sad, not because, because my kids are awesome and you would love them if you met them. Yes. I feel sad because I think people won't treat them how they should treat them, right? So I don't care. It doesn't make any difference to me. It makes my parenting life very interesting, yes. <laughs> parenting them. But they're my children. Like you can't, you don't feel any differently towards them. You feel extremely tiger bear mum, you know, yeah. like yeah. you come at me, protective. you know, very protective. Mm. Um, and people say outrageous things to them, like to their face, yeah, you know. Unfortunately so, learning about the <laughs> words us, that people can, can say. Can you give us some examples of what? Oh, so my boys have, um, amongst other things, quite severe ADHD. So if their medication hasn't kicked in or if they're in a, you know, they're never rude but they'll come in here and they'll pace and they'll fidget and they'll, why have you got that? And what's that, you know, and, but they're not rude and they'll, they will sense after a while, oh, these people don't want to ask me, <laughs> you know, but like, so my boys live for skiing. They love it. So like we got up to the snow one year and the boys are standing there and, you know, the, the ski instructors are choosing which ones they'll take. And the guy goes, oh, got a couple of live ones here. <laughs> what's your story? <laughs> like they then just, you see them physically recoil, mm -hmm. you know, and th they look at me. Mm. And I say, oh, well, you won't be their teacher. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. And then the funny thing is at the end of the day, there's always a request in for my boys because mm. they can ski and ski and ski and ski and ski yeah. without stopping. And so everyone wants them at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, well, screw you and your preconceived ideas. And we went to um, Lawn Bowls and this guy <laughs> just walks up to us and he goes, and he was lovely. So I will forgive People over 65. That was my next question. Yeah, I will uh, forgive them. Is there an age of ignorance? Yeah. Yes, they can have that. And he just goes, hey, boys, how you going? Uh, what's going on with you? What is it? What's autism? What is it? What is it? Like straight to their face. <laughs> my, one of my favourite stories is we haven't, my mum's just moved, but a neighbour who was probably like 75 and I'd moved out with my, uh, with my mates and she walked past and she goes, where's that little cripple boy going? <gasps> is he still around or is he not here anymore? My mum's like, sorry, what? <laughs> and I'm on the couch. So I was actually there. I heard it. Oh. I was kind of laughing. He's like, the cripple boy, is he still around? <gasps> He's like, that's my son. Yeah. And he is alive and you need to get off our property. Yeah, that's yes. right. But it's it, a fierce protector. I but that, that is just, they weren't trying to be mean. No, no. They just have no idea. Yes. And that's what they used to, yeah. used they to describe me. Yes. Of course. There's opportunities for grace when you can yep. see it. Yeah. But then in a schooling environment, when you're mm. coming up against teachers, yep. no. yeah, okay. then there is no grace. No. They Place. have to know better. <laughs> mm. no, yeah. They do. They have to know better. Great. Segue into school. Mm. So we'll start with you, Mandy. Yep. Your kids go to mainstream school, but but also... I mean, uh, one of my twins goes to special school. Okay. Yeah, so they're in high school. Now, and then I've got a third daughter. She's in mainstream. Okay. How do they go at school and how much do you worry about what's going on? Um, I, uh, it's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I moved my daughter from mainstream to special school in grade five because there's strict numbers to access special schools with an intellectual disability. And I didn't really know. I mean, I, you know, a physical disability is one thing, but the intellectual disability and the diagnosis of that later in her life was um, something that I wasn't really prepared for. And so trying to understand schooling and how that works, tricky. However, once we moved into the special school, life was much easier for her. Can I ask, if you, if you don't mind talking about it, how did she go at mainstream Yeah, school? it was tough. Until about grade two, okay. Right, so all the kids love it. She's actually got a really gentle personality. Um, but I think once we hit grade three and grade four 
and she was feeling extremely frustrated. Yeah, the children were very kind to both of my girls and they had friends and there wasn't really any teasing that I saw. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's different from their perspective. Um, but at least special school, I felt like, well, she's with her people. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. but it was a big deal to move her. Did you feel like the teachers had the skills to... Yep. In, no, at the, at the mainstream school? Oh, no, but we had 10 hours of aid time, which is nothing, but we had to fight for that. So she had an aid for 10 hours a week. But no. Um, by the time we got to grade three and four, or particularly grade three, the teacher, I could tell, did not want her in her class. With mm. your kids both being twins, do you have, you know, not using these developmental markers that we've talked about, but do you find that there's a bit of jealousy about the other twin, maybe being able to do something that the other twin maybe can't as well? If you can I think understand when what we I'm moved saying. her to the special school, then that was tough for her, especially when then when they started high school mm. and she was sad she couldn't go with her twin. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But it's probably their story to talk about that. Yeah. I don't. But that's yeah. something you can always pull me up on because. No, yeah, yeah. These, yeah. Are, these aren't your stories. And my boys, uh, it's just amazing. They're, because they're both um, neurotypical, they've got this buddy who's, who thinks the same. And so they're like almost. Who cares? Because we've got this person. And so schools always want to separate them and put them in separate classrooms. And they're like, no, this this person understands me. And one of my twins needs a scribe. So the other, his brother can be like, oh, I've written it and then we can copy it at home if the scribe didn't turn up that day. Or So for them, they're not codependent, but being together, it actually helps. So one of them will have this ability and not that one. And so they sort of like even each balance. other. Yeah, they, it's really good. They also look after each other. They really look after yeah, each other. That's good. My they, girls had um, bone surgery on the same day at the Royal Children's when they were in prep. So that was a... a, a was, that, was that planned? Or? It was planned okay. with the surgeon. <laughs> a lot of yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, we planned it because we didn't want one watching the other one go through and one was having much more significant surgery than the other. And so I said to the surgeon, well, have you ever worked on twins before? And he said, yes, I've had another set of twins. So we operated on the same day. Mm -hmm. So we decided to do that and then we could pull all our help. Um, So looking back, that was actually a really, what's, I don't know, special time because our whole family was there for the both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. And it was different. They had different rehabs. Um, but we've got this precious photo of one lying in the bed with all with all her tubes and her other twin sitting there holding her hand with her oh. pink cast. And, yeah. You know, it's and a beautiful photo. Yeah. yeah. So beautiful. nice. How much do you worry about your kids in particular bullying and, and mm. negative things? We'll Huge. start with you, Kate. So we had a lot of bullying in junior school and we moved them to a different school. Main, so the, mainstream schools? Mainstream schools. Okay. So because of that cutoff with the IQ... There is a whole gap, and Mandy and I we will talk preach about, this, about this for hours. But there is a Give gap. Give us the thirty-second version. <laughs> well, well, if you want, need to qualify for a mild intellectual disability, it's between the numbers of fifty and seventy. Mm-hmm. This is in Victoria. Big difference, yeah. Big right. Difference. So if so, if you get seventy-one, can't go to special. You school. can't go to special school, and you're so far behind. Yep. And if you get eighty, that's a lot different to a hundred. Most people sit around ninety-five to a hundred, right? That's mm. your average IQ. If you're in the average IQ, but you have um, autism and dyslexia and sensory processing and, 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 school doesn't work for you. You cannot go anywhere but mainstream, Mm. right? It is absolute discrimination. No one talks about it. No, unless you've been in to uh, put your children through those testing, you don't know. mm. And it's heartbreaking. I had no Uh, idea either. Because you're waiting. I remember arriving to the um, appointment with the psychologist and because we were doing this test to then think about high school and as soon as we walked in the door, my husband and I, she said, she's qualified for her high school. Mm. And I said, okay, because yeah. I did not care what the testing said. I just needed to know what that number was because was I either going to be in for a fight yeah. for the next six years mm. or was I going to be able to know that she was going to be where she needed to be? Mm. Around that discrimination, as you call it, within the system, Yeah. when Tony Abbott became the Minister for Women, yes. it was outrageous. <laughs> yes. I felt like I just could not believe yep. that this person was going to speak for someone else's gender, mm. probably... A wrong role. Yep. Do you think within the NDIS or mm. within disability there should be more people with disabilities? Ah, yes, But also parents of people with disabilities that can – because I'm not sure of the system myself, but I imagine that maybe lived experience, as Dylan um, likes to say, is probably where somebody should sit within that. Well, I think they should talk to them. So maybe I don't have the academic skills and the financial know-how to say how a school should run. But if they talk to parents, they'll go, oh – Actually, 
you need to know this and this and this and this. So and do you know any parents who have been asked by politicians? I was just going to say, and the kids. Oh, 100% the kids. The kids. Of yeah, because I think there's a know-it-all attitude. In I've read the manual. Yeah. I've read the I'm able-bodied and I've read the manual. Yeah. It's like mm. talk to people, live yes, experience please. and listen to them. And right. lived experience doesn't mean me. I tell you who else has lived experience? My brother, my yes, dad, that's yes. my right. girlfriend. Yes. They're not disabled, but they've got lived experience because yes. they hang out with me. Yeah. Yes. So parents, family members, mm. carers, mm. all got a all got a pivotal role to play. Well, I suppose NDIS, I'm the person that's going to the planning meetings for mm-hmm. both my girls. I was yeah. totally overwhelmed. I didn't know where to start. Just trying my best. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, but that's what our platforms are both for, is, you yeah, know, bringing right. people, you know, we have a lot of able-bodied people who maybe follow Dylan's tennis yes, career and yes, that's right. and yeah. now all of a sudden they're learning about this. What about you? Yeah. Follow you, your modelling career? <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going really <laughs> well. Check us out on YouTube, he's hot, yeah. but he's taken. Um, so, Kate, as you were, so you were saying, you Went to school, the so, kids went to primary school, mm. bullying. There was bullying in primary school. So um, my twins are, have these amazing physiques. <laughs> They're really slender. We don't know whether um, one of them is actually able to make um, fat cells because of all the trauma in utero. So whatever. Can nev- I say that I'm jealous of that? Yeah. Oh, look yeah. at me. Oh, <laughs> I, can I get that one? Hey, my parents picked the wrong disability. <laughs> Give me that one. Oh, I know. So true. Disability envy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so continue. I know it's right. Oh. Um, you can't believe the shit that children come up with. Like, mm. um, what's your BMI? Of course. So they're all like, what? Body mass index. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, well, they don't know. I don't know what that they're is. They're eight. Mm. And how do they know that? And how do they know? And so you know how they know? Because parents, parents have been saying. Those kids uh, are skinny. Those kids What's are going on with their BMI? Well said, yeah. Oh, and yeah. then judging you maybe yes. for not getting yes. those kids. Yeah, so oh, it's this whole wow. cycle of, and, you know, we are, I'm begging them to eat, you know. Yeah. So mm. we have nutritionists and dietitians and pediatricians. I don't need you to actually tell me. And we had a lot of, um, what's actually wrong with you? What's actually wrong with you? And I think when you're able to own your ability and disability and your um, quirky behaviour, as teachers like to call it, that's fine. But when you're in a courtyard at school and all the cool kids are saying, what's wrong with you? What's actually wrong with you? Why do you take medication? Why do you always go out for ed support? And one of my twins, who um, probably is quicker when he wants to speak, he said, Mama, I couldn't hear any words. I said, I know, mate, because no one's ready for people to say that crap to them. No one. So... We moved schools <laughs> and the school was fine, right? I don't want to judge it, but the new school that we're at, everybody's welcome. What are you, Manny? Uh, well, I think, yes, I worry about my daughter with the intellectual disability and we're going to have to champ, not have to, we will be championing her for the rest of my life. Mm. It stems from, especially with intellectual disabilities, it's, it's not just kids, <laughs> to be honest. Like no. it's adult yeah. adult life as well. Do you... Do you mm. Are you cautious about how, the, you know, even people who are educated and under yes. how they're going to treat yes, your, your daughter? of course. Mm. The one beautiful thing about having my husband with a disability is there's been many times where I've found him cuddling both the girls and he'll say, we're the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Where the, I'm, you know, I don't like putting my hearing aids in every day. You have to put your AFOs on. I get it. Mm. Um, so I've been the one on the outer in our family and, um, and that's fine mm-hmm. because I'm so thankful that he has been able to understand a bit of their journey. Well, you can be the best cheerleader for that team. Yeah. <laughs> and you are. Yeah, yeah. well, I I'm, I'm, I'm make mistakes every day, mm. um, but I'm thankful. You were just saying about, we're talking about bullying of your kids, mm. but I, I found it really interesting um, being shamed as a parent. Oh, yeah. Can we get into that space? Can we start with you as okay? Because you kind of said that, you know, parents going feed your kids where you're like, you have no idea the Nutrigrain boxes <laughs> I'm going through. Yes. <laughs> Great question, Angus. It's yeah. a really good question. Parent shaming also is you walk into the classroom and everyone stops talking. Like all the mums are like, hi, Sue, yes, how was your weekend? That was me too. And you're yeah. like, okay, okay, fine, all right. You're talking about me and my kids. Hi. Mm. And I am outgoing and I have lots of friends. So I just go in, hi, how's everyone going? I'm like, no, you're not getting away with this. Like I'm not slinking away. But my boys at the moment don't have that personality. So I was very conscious of, but then also I think they missed a lot of it because like, oh, just putting their bag away and trying to concentrate on getting into the classroom, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, It starts from a really early age. We like to say, oh, everyone, we accept everyone. Like you wouldn't meet a parent who said, 
I wouldn't ask a child with autism home for a birthday party. But we had birthday party invitation after invitation that we didn't get, mm. right? So fair enough if you're having five kids, but if you're asking 18, you have to ask The 20. whole classroom. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. cannot do this stuff. Just educate yourself. Go and ask the mum. The mum knows. Yeah. Say, oh, mm. is there anything that would make this party better? And the yeah, double whammy with twins kids. because yeah. a lot of people, they're like, well, if I have, I, well, I'm going to have both, both of them. <laughs> 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 so I would host. Yeah, I would host so I knew that my house was safe. Yep. So I knew that the girls weren't going to fall. Yep. Um. So I took on a lot of that. Yep. What about for you, Mandy? As well, with your have, do you, have you found or had examples of people shaming you? For I think your because kids? we had this technical diagnosis of cerebral palsy from a very early age. I felt like you know when we started school that that was very obvious. We were walking in with two AFOs and everyone mm. was kind of looking like here comes the twins. Mm. So. No, but I was acutely aware of when people would stop talking, when they yeah. were sort of talking about their kids' milestones. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay. Did anyone ever say to you, oh, what happened? What did you do when you were pregnant? Um, you know, the on people, one person I remember was a doctor, <laughs> you know, because doctors are frank. Yeah. So not a doctor as in I was going to them. It was just in a social setting. Oh, She's yeah. like, oh, what happened was an infection. Yeah. Mm. And I was just like, what? Mm. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mandy yeah. and it's my friend's. Second birthday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that sort of, sometimes they're I'm just doctors, don't be so rude. Oh, yeah. yeah. But because they're so smart. They don't look at the emotion, they look at the facts. They're yeah. like, okay, hey, by chance, did you drink a bottle of Sav Blanc yeah. in this stage yeah. in your you know, pregnancy? Because yeah. I would love to write a thesis yeah. on that. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. a well, yeah. Yeah, it's mm. kind of that stuff. Yeah, it is that stuff. But, I mean, I sought out all the mums that had kids with differences. Yep. So I was like, right, I'm finding them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I had a friend who has, uh, her leg was amputated. Her and I, we spent heaps of time together. So mm. she was in her wheelchair. My girls are falling over, tripping over. She would ride her wheelchair over them. It was awesome. Oh. So I was yeah. like, I'm fine in my people. Yeah. This is the yeah. best part, Yes, right? this is the so best part. So we have had the most amazing benefit of just seeing through the crap, right? And if I think you're racist or homophobic or discriminatory, goodbye. Yeah. Like, I'm not rude to you, but I don't have to have you in my life. And that's got more strong as we've got older and we're a little bit more wise. And also just seeing everyone for who they are because I want people to look at my children and just go, oh, there's two two amazing humans. I don't want them to try and, you know, suss stuff out. So I think then that's been the gift that our family's had. Yeah, everyone's welcome. Looking forward, we've talked about bullying going into high school, teenage years. What are some fears for you apart from that going forward with your kids? I mean, they're around the same age, 14s and 15s. Work, where they're graduating, hitting the real world. Sex. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what are your fears? It's very true. Well, I, I, yeah, when I think about that, I'm worrying about my daughter with the <laughs> intellectual disability. One of your daughters out there is laughing. Yeah. Saying, Sex. I have one of my twins here because she would love to meet Dylan. So. <laughs> But our twin with the intellectual disability, I worry about everything you can possibly think to worry about. Just wanted to have the greatest life possible. And so how can how can I help that? And I know NDIS f- feels hopeful about that. We're three years in. So I feel like by the time she gets to 18, we'll have a good support behind us. Mm-hmm. I, I want her to have a life full of esteem, to feel good about herself. Whatever that looks like, I will, I will do. One beautiful thing my... Uh, girlfriend's parents, they have a disabled, their first daughter's disabled. Yeah. She's an intellectual disability and she met someone at work who yeah. also had intellectual disability yeah. and they bought the apartment next door. So awesome. they live at home, but also live independently. Yeah, and brilliant. There's no gas and all yeah. that, but yeah. they, you know, they live by themselves and yeah. it's, I, I'd never seen that, right? No. Yeah. And I was like, wow, oh, cool. I, needed to, I need to tell every yeah. parent of someone with intellectual disability how good that idea is. Yeah. Because, well, yeah. I think we've thought about that from the minute we yeah. found out. We're yeah. like, can we subdivide? What are we going to do? And then also how can we make that fair between all our children and yeah. You know. Well, you can't. And you st- that's another thing. We, we just shouldn't be obsessed with being fair, right? Because some people have more needs. We love them all the same, but mm-hmm. this one takes m- twice as much time. But I love you all the same. And if you fall over and break your leg, well, I'll give you more of my time as well. So mm-hmm. I, I can't obsess about that stuff. What do your other kids think about that? Because you are going to have to subdivide a house that's yeah, going to cost right. you money. Well, I just, you know, said to them, you got the genetic lottery. So <laughs> there you go, mm. you know. And I also... The thing in our family is like my son does all of our podcast editing for free, right? That he is really passionate about what we're passionate about because he lives with this, right? Well, he should be charging because you guys. Are I know he should be yeah, charging. Well, no, <laughs> I'm trying to tell him. Hey, he what's his name? What's his name? His name's we Josh. Call- Josh. Josh. Charge, bro. Josh. Charge. Them. Charge that shit. <laughs> we'll tell you the rates you should be getting. Are you kidding, Josh? <laughs> Get the cash flow. You should have heard him the other night. We went for like five hours, and he's oh, like, like, "Shut oh. up." Yeah. 
I get it. They're disabled. He has to listen to us for five hours. He just goes, oh, I said, are you glad that's over? He goes, oh, God. So funny. But then my other daughter um, is a paediatric OT who works with children with additional needs and disabilities, also is amazing with her brothers Mm -hmm. and my middle child who we have pseudonyms, so we call yeah. her scholarship because she went has gone through life with scholarships. <laughs> so she hates it, but that's what we call it. Right. Yeah. She's amazing. So she's doing online double degree uni and the other day I had to work. So our boys, when they're doing remote learning, because at the moment there's COVID-19 yep. and we're mm-hmm. homeschooling. Home. So she had them sitting there with their um, laptops and the Zoom class on. She's got one earbud in, writing notes with one hand from her lecture <laughs> and scribing for her brother. Oh. So I just feel like that's our family and nobody feels anything. How protective are your other siblings of your disabled kids? Well, my, uh, I've got a younger daughter who's nine. So she's, um, yeah, she loves them, but she's also all about her. (laughs) (laughs) Because she's nine. Yeah, because she's nine. Give a thumbs up out there. Daughter's agreeing. So maybe not fiercely protective yet. Yeah. I had a question for you, Mandy, because I knew you had a younger. Yes. um, did you think about not uh, continuing to have having kids after having kids with disabilities? Not that uh, I, I just thought how I want to do the best job I can with my twins. So mm-hmm. I know if I have another child, then that's going to take my attention away from doing the best job I can. Yep. So that's what I thought about a lot. Plus she was also, a little bit scared of having twins. I again. was scared of having twins. <laughs> again. And yeah. were you, how scared are you having more disabled kids? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Mm. You can set the workload. Having more disabled mm. children would have been epic. Yeah, but I would have done it yeah. and that's fine that's because good. I know the power of love. So it doesn't, that just Great kind answer. of overtakes everything. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. No. I was more scared of having twins again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about that? Just uh, this is new news for today when we're recording. Yeah. The mother who's had four identical twins, yeah. a I one know. in a yeah. like 15 billion chance. Yes. Uh, IVF, baby. Yeah. Um, Jeez. Do you love your disabled kids more than your other kids? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to listen to this. Hey. Right, and I think we yes. Are just, I okay. think yes, because... My brother was at church. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, Dylan's I, brother, is just nodding, <laughs> listening to this. He's like, bloody oath. <laughs> I don't know if it's... I mean, it's probably more is the bad term, but I think every teacher they have had, I speak to weekly. I'm really involved in their life. I have fought for them like... Nobody else. Um, and and you didn't think they were going to be alive? I didn't think they were going to live. We were told we should terminate them and that they were oh. going to die. And then they said, oh, they're both going to have profound disabilities and, you know, basically why would you keep these humans alive, right? And so I don't know. I just, Every time I look at them, I think, man, you, yeah. I could have terminated you. I was going to ask that because... You know, when I got ultrasound, I was born with a tumour wrapped mm. around my spine. When I got ultrasound, I was turned the other way, couldn't see the tumour. Yeah. So if they'd seen that, yeah. parents could have got offered to turn yes. because mm. they right. assumed I would not live a great life. Mm. Mm. Even if you knew, well, you did know. Did you? You didn't know. No. Mandy, would have you kept your kids even if you knew they were going to be born disabled? I remember going to that ultrasound. Now, this is 15 years ago. The other thing is that we were super Christians. Yes, that's so, true. So <laughs> um, at that time, whereas we're not now. <laughs> We're not even. I've heard a few shits and stuff. We're not even really good ones. No, we're we're not even. We're nothing now. No, we're nothings now. But back then, so I remember going to that scan at 12 weeks. I didn't even know I was having twins yet. Mm. And I remember saying, it doesn't matter. Whatever. This is a gift. That is what I believed. Did having a disabled kid make you second guess your religion? Yes. Interesting. Very interesting. Not because I thought, for me, because the twins were high risk, we had three scans a week. So normally you have two, maybe three scans in your pregnancy. We had three a week. And I would be physically ill before I went into that scan and the doctor would say, he'd say, we're not talking, and he'd just go and he'd say, there's two heartbeats. And then we'd work down, oh, this one has a visible kidney, this one doesn't. This one, you know, because there was all sorts of issues going on. Mm-hmm. So I remember one day I couldn't go to his beautiful posh offices in lovely leafy Melbourne and I had to, had to go to Monash Medical Centre and have my scan done with all the other beautiful mums that have high-risk babies. They put you in a different part of the hospital so you're not sitting with everyone going, ah, oh, you know. Yeah, how goes my kid? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you're sitting there, you're pregnant. Awesome. Everyone in that room may lose that baby, right? Mm-hmm. So I got in there and I had the scan and I just had this epiphany. Is God going to save my babies because I'm praying, but all those women out there that want those babies, is he actually not going to save them because they haven't asked? You can't have a God like that. Done. 
Wow. That was it. So mm. it's not a big story. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a profound one because, yeah. um, you know, I'm an atheist myself. Mm. But I also think, you know, there's God's plan. You know, God's yeah, yeah. got a plan Come for on, everyone. Kanye, God's Drake. plan. Drake. Oh, God's plan. Oh, Drake. Drake. <laughs> Drake. Almost. <laughs> Almost. Almost. Oh, Almost. Oh, Almost. Oh, my work boys will kill me. Are your boys going to listen to that? They'll be like, oh, that was a chance. I know the song. Normally pretty good. But when I remember when I thought about that, I went to a Catholic boys' school. The moment I thought about it was I went, Kids with cancer? Yeah. yeah. Really? That's part of your plan? Yep. So that's where I turned. So that's really interesting that your religion was interfered or changed because of your kids. It makes sense as an atheist. I just think, I remember thinking, don't think you're any special to anybody else in the world that has suffering. Mm. Hard things happen all the time to everyone, everywhere around the world, and you're no different. Mm. So it wasn't that. It was probably participating in the rituals. I couldn't do that authentically anymore. Mm. And I also want to say, if you do believe in a God, whatever that God is, live your best life. If you're listening, this is an atheist podcast. As long as it makes you a better person. People that are very special to us. Yeah, we have, I mean, our our family members, everyone. Of course. we're we're I'm just saying, I'm not shunning your no. ideas. I'm saying what mine is. It makes life interesting. Sponsored by God. You can't get God. I have him on my phone. Um, <laughs> what's you should your... see Dylan contact list. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is under Jay. Well. What's your advice to parents who are about to have kids and might find out that their kids are going to be disabled? I just think, would I rather have a child with a disability or would I rather have a child that bullies people? Mm. I know what I'd rather have, right? Hands down. And take all the advice and when you go to a meeting or a paediatrician, take someone with you because you can't take it in and you get a yes. bit anxious and you you project like, oh, your child has this. Oh, they're never going to go to the Olympics. Well, most kids don't. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. just pull it back. That's yeah. so and, funny. Uh, <laughs> oh, my kid so, doesn't have one leg. He can't be 100 metre. He can't yeah. be Usain Bolt. I know. Like, <laughs> yeah, because, of course, we go to the absolute top. Yes. You know, he's got an intellectual disability. He'll never be a neurosurgeon. I know. Yeah. I know. You know what? Well, you he might have been a Garbo. I know. It, you know. Yeah, that's doesn't right. Matter. Most yeah. people I know, you know, we kind of go yeah. through, all right, are they not going to be able to drive? Yep. There's sort of people say the same sort of things. Mm. Kind of like these. They're not going to go to uni. That's yeah. a really big one for parents with Buy a new Melanie's diagnosis. Buy Melanie's book special. Buy Melanie's that book. Is the most amazing book. I went to yeah. uni as a waste of money. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't used my mar- no, shout out to Melbourne Uni, great uni, but <laughs> I've never used my marketing degree. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not, or maybe I have. Maybe. I don't know. I think you might have. Yeah. yeah. Hey, shout out to Melbourne I Uni. I see a lot of you around. So. <laughs> maybe too much. Yeah, too much. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, overexposure, need help, <laughs> Dylan Alcott. We'll get to our last bit, which is the bowl yep. of uncomfortable yeah. in a minute. But I've just got yeah. one more. You both said the term heavily involved in our children's lives because you have mm. to be. Yeah. Do you worry that you wrap them in cotton wool and you're too heavily involved in their lives? Uh, yes, 100%. I do think that. and I. Th- it's a hard balance. There's a really fine line. How do you think of yeah. Should I push you through this or should I protect you from it? Mm. And... You can't do it again, so you don't get another shot. So I definitely worry about that. Yeah, I do. Mandy? So your daughter, who isn't in special school, who has... Yeah. So she wants to go... Who's here? Who's here? She wants to go to a party, have a few drinks. Well, we're not quite there yet. Well, she, but, you're gonna be, but I'm saying you're going to be there. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to be. And look, Soon, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be nervous. Experience. Yeah. Soon. So that's going to be a hard choice. Yeah. Because mm. you you're worried about your disabled daughter. You worry about your daughter anyway. Yeah. Added, added accessibility worries. Yeah. Drinking... Talk to me. It's hard, yeah? yeah? I, I don't know yet. And uh, maybe I've just made that a worry for another day. But <laughs> thanks, thanks for, for bringing that, that up. <laughs> but it's true, though. Those things and are I know. Different. I'm, I am I'm really yet, worried about that. I'm yet yeah. to navigate it. You've already navigated teenagers. So yeah. you, you and what about when your boys go on a date? I know. Yeah. A, I know. No, and I'm, I'm worried about it. And yeah. I'm worried about them saying things that they don't perceive as rude or wrong, but it may be perceived as. Mm-hmm. And I'm worried about them... Um, Definitely worried about them drinking. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. But it is their right. For sure. It's interesting because yeah. you get away with it when you're younger, right? Yeah. When you're 18, yeah. no one cares about you anymore. No. Yeah. Every, all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a bit more like, are you going to be the mum who's sitting in the corner of Nando's watching them on a nah. date? Like, oh, I don't know. Oh, oh, I, I won't <laughs> be watching that one. <laughs> but what about there are some risks? Can't you see that, what I'm saying? The difference course. over an intellectual disability? Yeah. Mm. It's, it, it's, I don't feel like that about my other daughter. Okay, I, I would, you know? I'd be the same if I had an intellectual yes. child and one who didn't. Mm. Yes. People are very yucky. 
Yes. yes. People can do some bad yes. things. Yes, yep. that's mm. right. That's right. So you have to wrap them in cotton yes. wool. Yes, yep. vulnerability. But the other thing is she still she really loves me. Yeah. <laughs> so she likes to spend time with me. I'm hopeful she'll and, want to for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I was, it's so hard because you have to look after them, but yes. you have to let them be independent. Yes. Otherwise yes. they can't advocate and be themselves. That's so. right. Yes. That's I, it. And you only learn that coming. from experience, mm. don't you? Yeah. 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 Bowl yeah. of uncomfortable time. These are where people send us questions from our social media or now they can email us. Now we did say that you were going to be on our podcast and we had, I'm going to presume that this person um, listens to your podcast as well because uh-huh. they referred to you as the girls, which oh, seems quite, okay. you know, close. Since we're old. How do you feel about when your kids listen to your podcast in the future and some of the things you've said about them and their disability? I like that. Right? Yep. There's an article in City Morning Herald, and I read this. This is from me, by the way. It's not, okay. it's not from anyone, and I'll be honest. Yeah. Having a child with a disability is like having a living grief. Mm. Mm. Can I be honest with you? Because yeah. we'll be honest and you can be honest. Yeah. Hard for me to read that. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Because I'm like, I do not want my mum to live in no. grief. Yeah. But I was always like, also like, get stuffed. Yeah. Because I'm not grief. No. Yeah. Can you explain to me? Well, it was me that said the quote that. and how you Mandy. felt and, yeah. and, and, and what happened there. Uh, well, when I went to have counselling when my girls were three and the counsellor said that I had post-traumatic stress disorder from their birth, uh, she said to me that... Having a child with a disability is like having a living grief. And so I I understood that as such. And I think as time has moved on and as I've listened to people in the disability community, I understand that that's painful and I'm sorry. And I appreciate you coming on and talking about it. But and you, I think... And I can understand the element of what it means. I think a little bit for Mandy it was also not grief, but she couldn't find a word for it. Yeah, there's no word. Yeah, there mm. needs to be another word that means... We would means, like someone to find another word. Yeah, like I have a child that has a disability, is not neurotypical. I'm worried about people abusing them. I'm worried about them getting a job. I'm sad seeing them in physical pain. Yeah, and, mm. and my child ha- gets blisters from their AFOs. Yeah, bleeding from the AFOs. Yeah, and that's... Carrying her home. Is that not mm. some sort of sadness? For sure. No, yeah. No, and I understand. But where... the grief sounds like, oh, I, someone's died. Yeah. So that's why we need another. I mean, word. I'm happy. To, I want to bring this up because we've been. Um, and I'm so glad you came on. And I yeah. was gonna, and I can see first and foremost how much you bloody love your kids. So oh, yeah. I have of no course. doubt. I was in doubting that. that. I think no. the I think the idea of the word grief is hard because we as kids guess what we feel like. Yeah. A burden. Yeah, yeah. that's right. It's not. There's a correlation. Yeah. 100%. And I know because you don't feel that. No, no we don't. But I, I can understand that. And it was weird that that was. Mandy just said that as a throwaway line. She didn't even say it like it. And then he wrote it and I was like. Well, they almost headlined it. They They did. And we also don't use the term special needs. We use additional needs, right? Mm -hmm. And then they put special needs mum. And I was like, oh. Did it break your heart? Oh, yeah. Mandy was very broken. Yeah, I couldn't even. And it was such a beautiful. I cried for like a whole weekend, (laughs) didn't I? Yeah, yeah. It was hard. But there is going to be, can I panel back to this question? Yeah. Your kids yeah. are going to understand yeah. that headline one day and you're going to have to explain again like you are now yeah. yourself, but it's going to be I've much been, I've more. been on the floor broken with my daughter saying, and she's saying, why this? Mm. Why me? Why? Like her and I have been through this 15 years together. Yeah, she knows the story. She knows. Yeah. Dave Hughes can get on the radio and he can tell stories all about his kids because they're neurotypical and he can say, oh, I was sad because they fell over at athletics or I was happy because they did this. I think our podcast's really funny. People laugh and oh, laugh and laugh. Great. So we are telling stories of children who are not neurotypical and we're saying, look how much fun they bring into the world. Our lives are so much better and enriched. Mm. Your lives would be too if you had friends with them, if you made mates with them. The hard part is, which is why I want to commend you, as soon as you're the two people that go out on a limb and do something to help, yep. which you've done with this podcast, what do people do? They try and cut you down. Of course. Right? And that's why I wanted to bring it up because I really respect and, and appreciate what you did. Like, I wish your podcast was around when my mum had me. Yeah. Like, it would have been so helpful, you know what I mean? And yep. um, it is a shame in especially the disabled community when you put your neck out there and try and do something, everyone goes to me, oh, why aren't you getting every other tennis player on TV? Or why, aren't you, why is no one else on ads? I know. <laughs> I'm trying my best. I know. So I'm trying to yeah. be and a beacon. Yeah, we love it. Because for sure examples. Like, and then I yell at me for not having more. I go, Oh, the golden boy of disability, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I don't own the TV network. No, you don't. No. I don't own the bank. Mm. No, I know. You know. I just try and be an advocate, you know what I mean? Well, and that's, I think we want to be advocates for diversity. And the really interesting thing about our podcast is 
loads of people that listen that children don't have any um, disabilities, but also we have a, quite a big following of people who are gender fluid or LGBTQI because they're like, oh, a group of people that it just accepts people for who they are. Mm. And so that's pretty awesome, I think. Thanks very much for coming on our podcast. Oh, I'm handy, kill it. And thank you for being so honest. No, I mean this because no. it's, it, it's an interesting conversation to have. Because but it's really, we didn't want to bring it up on our podcast, so I'm glad you did. Thank mm. you. This has given us a way of explaining it. I mm. speak on behalf of every family with a disabled kid. Thank you for doing your podcast. And I mean that because oh, thank you. it's a special thing and it's really helpful. And yep. and the way that you don't, people in, in the disabled community go, oh, another parent talking about their disabled kids. Yeah. Incorrect. You speak on your behalf, yep. not theirs. No. Yeah. And the way you've We're pulled trying. yourself up today, I was like, perfect. Parents love talking about their kids. Oh, we can't shut us up. Yeah. Ask us. I mean, you've got a whole podcast about it. So. <laughs> 50 hours. <laughs> the podcast is two T-double-O-P's yeah. in a podcast. Yep. I'm Mandy Kay. Thank you so much for Thank coming you. on. Thank you. Thank Lovely. you. Thank you. What an honour. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Just a bro that hit me asking that question. Yeah. And listening back to it still? No, oh, yeah. And just I'm so proud of those two coming on talking about it. And, and obviously you could tell they haven't really talked about it publicly yet. And they're amazing parents. They are. And, and it was so cool to meet their kids and things like yeah, that. Yeah. And um, to have them on uh, was awesome. Make sure you check out their podcast as well. Yeah. You know, obviously subscribe to our podcast. Of course. And and like our podcast and right. But but their podcast, Two Peas in a Podcast, is is really successful, but also helps a lot of people out in the community. So super, you know, stoked that they, you know, gave the time and came on. Make sure you hit us up if there's a guest that you think is going to be fantastic for this podcast. Um, listenable podcast at outlook.com. But for the next episode, there will be an explicit little E symbol next to the podcast for a good reason. Hi, I'm Ryan. Um, I live in Britain. You know, lovely, ooh, lovely good old Britain. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm 25 years old. I uh, live with my partner. Uh, my disability, it, well, the main one is Tourette's syndrome. Ooh, yeah. On tics. cue. <laughs> Especially when you start talking about them, they, they, they seem to get more more involved uh, and in, into the conversation and integrate the way into everyday life. We're going to be tackling the disability of Tourette's and, of course, we're going to be letting our guest Ryan have his full voice. We don't feel that censoring something that he can't control from his disability is the right move. So, And I'll be upfront. I know absolutely sweet FA mm-hmm. about Tourette's. We're learning on this one as well. I don't know anything. I don't know how it developed. Can you control it? Do you pick your ticks? Nothing. Yeah. So very exciting. The next episode of Listenable. Make sure you subscribe for it and we'll catch you then. Listenable was presented by Dylan Alcott and Angus O'Loughlin and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Audio production by Darcy Thompson and the music was written and performed by Eliza Hull.